Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Kulika Chumbong, uh, co-founder of SugarLogic.com. S-U-G-A-R-L-O-G-I-X.com. Kulika, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thanks for the spell out. Um, that's, I'm sure that would oh, be no. helpful. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So what's, uh, tell me about Sugar Logics. What do you guys do? Yeah, of course. Uh, we are a small biotech company. We're based in Berkeley, California, and we make human milk sugars. So these are complex sugars that are naturally found only in human breast milk, and we're recreating it from synthetic biology and yeast fermentation. Oh, so you're recreating some of the elements of breast milk. That's what you're doing. That's right. So these are, uh, take, about, take over about 10% of breast milk composition, and the idea for us is using it as functional ingredients, um, obviously for early light nutrition, for when breastfeeding is not an option, uh, but also potentially for adult application and also some other use cases. Interesting. So when, um, you know, I have kids, my wife breastfed, which, you know, congrats to her. It's amazing she did. Um, what um, what situations happen when uh, kids can't be breastfed? I mean, maybe besides the obvious, when does it happen? Yeah, I, I think on the microbiome side, so when, when the babies are born, um, if they're born naturally, uh, that means without C-section, um, they're naturally populated by the good bacteria and 
Um, just to be clear, the good bacteria, those are called probiotics. Um, so those live in the baby's gut. That's a very first kind of a um, uh, inoculation. Um, that's a, too scientific of a word, but that's really the first, uh, the very start of um, human gut health, uh, starting when the babies were born. Um, the foods that are specific for the probiotics, those are called prebiotics. Um, and for babies, that's the only kind are from um, human breast milk. And particularly, those are human milk sugars or what we call human milk oligosaccharides. And those are the products we're working on. So um, think of uh, even if uh, the babies were naturally born has uh, got started with some really good probiotics that lack the prebiotics from breast milk. Um, it could severely affect their uh, development of gut health, which, you know, has been shown to affect multiple other uh, parts of, of their life. Yeah, I know it's important to have good gut health. And, yeah, I've heard that um, breast milk, uh, some of the sugars and the oligosaccharides, those are particularly food for bacteria that will be beneficial for, uh, you know, babies to have in their gut. So it's amazing that uh, I, I've heard that people can't digest them, but, the bacteria that are hoped to form in their gut or hopefully already in their gut do digest them, so it attracts them and helps them take up residence. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Uh, it really helps shape um, the population of the gut microbiome into into the right direction for the baby. So, yeah, it basically doesn't get digested in your stomach, goes all the way to the gut. What happens if uh, you're born by C-section and you have, you know, but you're breastfed? Um, will, will this still attract the right bacteria, or is it kind of a waste? Um, I like to uh, picture, even if you know you have very small amount of the good bacteria in the gut, if you feed them well, um, just like us, they need food to grow. Um, that's really kind of a solution into the right direction. Um, alternatively, there are also some other probiotic products for. Um, babies out there. That's not really a focus, but there are some other companies doing great work um, on the probiotic side. Um, and these are activated uh, good bacteria that can help babies populate this, this good gut, gut bacteria. Um, uh, but there, there, there are a, quite a bit of solution out there, but um, there are only a few promising ones. So in what situations would a mother not breastfeed? When does it happen typically in, in what you've seen? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think for, for, for that purpose, it, it can be all the um, other requirements in life um, and how rigorous breastfeeding is supposed to be. Um, so babies really should be exclusively breastfed for the first six months of their lives. And that's quite a bit. Um, and even after six months, they should still be continuing to, to receive breast milk up until they're two years old, of course, in combination with solid food. But if you think about it, uh, it's quite rare for exclusive breastfeeding to happen for the first six months. So one way or another, alternative source of food will have to come into play. And I think um, there's one very obvious one. Everybody thinks of infant formula when it comes to that. Um, so I think the reasons why mothers can't breastfeed vary so much um, and I, I think there are a whole other topics that we could go into regarding that. Well, what, what, what inspired you to make this company? I mean, it must have been, uh, you know, I can see you, 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 really, you say it's important for mothers to breastfeed. I totally agree. But what, what was your inspiration for this? And what's your background? Yeah, um, I come from a scientific background with a little bit of um, business training. Um, 
but I received my PhD in microbiology and my work used to be in turning cellulosic biomass into bioethanol. So I work a lot with sugar, sugar metabolism, so complex sugars like human milk oligosaccharides are something that I'm pretty confident in, in resynthesizing. But really the, the kind of product that we're working on, we originally got inspired by um, the pivot into food. Um, both my co-founder and I are really, really passionate about food, and we look into which part of our experience could uh, really contribute to this feel, and it, it kind of boils down to resynthesizing food using fermentation uh, for that can be efficient and really help bring the cost down. And I think, I think the kind of product we feel good about working on, waking up in the morning, is the kind that can really make a difference uh, and this is something that's closest to our expertise area and you know I, I think I think there really should not be that big of a gap between starting lives um, and I think um, this is the smallest step and uh, we're never going to claim that it's as good as breastfeeding but it's just a step closer and we like to be part of that. Well how um, inefficient or ineffective is formula in your opinion and I mean I guess you must think it must be at least on some level, in order to make this product. So how much of a gap do you feel like there is that you have to close with this product? There, uh, so infant formula are great in a way that, you know, when mothers really don't have any other options, um, they can turn to infant formula, and that's great. Um, I think the war would have been a much more difficult place without it. Um, but on the flip side, there are also some room for improvement. Um, the human milk oligosaccharide is one part of it now. Uh, I should mention that there are two infant formulas that contain some kind of um, human milk oligosaccharide that's already out in the market. Um, they unfortunately only have one type, um, and in, in breast milk, there are 180 varieties of it, and these guys are starting with one or two. They're all potential customer, but um, they still rely on the supply that uh, is lacking. Um, so the human milk oligosaccharide is one. I think the protein is another big, uh, difficult task to solve. Um, that's not our focus, but there are some other companies who have tried to do it in the past, um, making human milk proteins rather than um, uh, most of the infant formula are derived from cow's milk. And that's really not similar to, to um, what you would find in mother's. You said there's 180 different kinds of oligosaccharides in breast milk? That's right. That's amazing. Have people characterized the function of them? Like, why so many different ones? That's crazy. Yeah, you know, uh, functionality usually comes after somebody figure out how to make it in large scale. Um, what's amazing about science in the past five to ten years is really they uh, have successfully characterized and, and tell different variety of this human milk oligosaccharides apart. So you can imagine like really complex sugars, you have very small change, for example, uh, connecting one unit, unit A to unit B at position two instead of at position three, um, uh, scientists figure out how to characterize them apart. So that's how they come up with 180 different varieties. But the functionality of each one um, usually only comes out when somebody figure out how to commercialize one of them. Um, but there, there are quite a bit of a study done on 
human milk oligosaccharides as a whole when they're extracted from breast milk. Yeah, that's amazing. Hmm. I didn't realize there's so many. Um, how many uh, have you identified are important, or how many does Sugar Logics make out of the 180? Just a few, or most of them? Or? Yeah, um, we're starting with one because right now we're so small, but our goal is to go well beyond that. Um, so I, I think a lot of uh, the technology in our field right now is is showing not just that we can synthesize it, not that we can make it, but also show that we can make it in scale. That's the most important part. Um, so a lot of the um, pipeline, when we go from making yeast strain that can produce compound one um, to putting that to a fermenter, to putting that into a pilot scale, it's a very similar pipeline. So we really want to show we can do one really well and the rest can follow much easier. Okay, so you're just focusing on one for right now. So how would this be uh, given to a baby? Will it be mixed in with formula, or how is it administered? Uh, we, uh, oh, oh, you're actually supplying directly to um, infant formula manufacturers or other kind of early life nutrition manufacturers. So it will be mixed in with their product um, at the very beginning, most likely as a premium product line. Um, but over time, we really want to see it as kind of a widely adopt um, ingredient for early life nutrition. Um, I think uh, once parents realize that this is a missing part um, in in most of the existing infant formula and it's something that's in mother's milk, um, hopefully there's also a push from the end consumer as well. Have you done clinical trials? Is this going to be like a medical food or, or a supplement? What's this designation? Uh, it is going to be a supplement. We haven't done a clinical trial itself, but there are already a third party doing it. Like I mentioned, there are two infant formula companies who are currently integrating uh, the human milk oligosaccharides into their product. Um, so there, there are plenty of clinical studies done um, already. So I guess that's a good thing on our side. Uh, there are already evidence supporting it, but moving from um, HMO number one, our product number one to Oh, the second one out of 180, that's when we're going to have to start doing some clinical studies ourselves. So, again, will this be considered a, a supplement or a medical food, or what is its designation? Supplement. A supplement. Okay. I know it's less. Got it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so this is mixed in with, uh, with formula, right? And that's how it's administered. And how long of a course uh, is it need, does it need to be given to a baby? And what are the effects that you've seen it has when you do give it to a baby? Yeah, so I think how long, I, I think that's where the, all the personalization trend could really come into play. Um, the, in, in, in natural breast milk, um, the concentration of this human milk sugar varies over time, um, over the lactation time. So that's something they can really tune in uh, for different formulas of the infant formula for different age. Um, but uh, it can go up all the way to two years old, and that's when um, that's when they, the breastfeeding is still recommended up until in parallel to solid food. Um, in terms of the effects, I think um, there are two major ones. So the first one is really help uh, enhancing the good bacteria in the baby's gut, and there is both um, in vitro, which is an outside of the body studies, and also in vivo, which is a clinical trial study that has been done 
it's been shown very well. So particularly bifidobacteria in fungus is highly um, enhanced, and that's a great thing. Um, and additionally, there are also some some clinical studies showing immune cells population that way that looks way closer than what breastfeeding uh, uh, baby population would look like in comparison to those who are fed with just warm love without supplementing um, human milk sugar. Okay. Well, very good. Um, what's your plans for uh, you know the rest of this year? Where are you taking this uh, this product? You said you'd you're working on one of the oligosaccharides. You want to do more. I mean, what else is ahead for you guys? What effect do you yeah. want it to have? Yeah, this this year, our main goal is to do a scale-up work. So right now, we're at a two-liter benchtop scale. And um, like I mentioned before, our big step is, is a scale-up. That's, that's where everybody keeps an eye on how well it goes. Um, so we'll be doing that this year, going from two-liter to 300-liter. We're also going to be um, pushing out our first batch of production, um, not from the same facility, but from a food-grade facility, of course. Um, and that's about one metric ton of product we will be making. Um, about 80% of that for us is pre-booked. We're looking for partners for the rest of it. Um, but this range from infant formula companies to adult supplement to some other applications that like to do um, and initial studies on the effect regarding their product. All right. Do you ever think there'll be a day where you uh, can recreate all of breast milk? Or, I mean, how much more complicated is it, even in, in addition to the oligosaccharides? What else is in it? Uh, the, the whole breast milk? Um, yeah. I would never say no, uh, because there's always a possi- possibility down the horizon. Um, I think it will be quite difficult. Um, there um so many components that comes into it, um, even the lipid, the protein, um, the sugars. Um, I would like to think that it's possible, but I don't see it in the next five years for sure. It's just amazing how complicated nature is. You know, it's amazing that breast milk has so much stuff in it. It's crazy. You know? Yeah, and it, it's kind of um, a beauty in a way because it, it, I think you know the nature has evolved humans so that we have all this complex. Um, components in, in in the breast milk and and it requires quite a bit of energy to synthesize all of this and to secrete all of this. So I think each and every component um, has a function and perhaps just by itself you might not be able to detect it, but in combination with other components, it has um, something we call synergistic effect. So um, one plus one equals more than two. Um, so with that, I think. We really have to take nature very seriously and, and really try to um, not just understand, but if we don't understand too well, not trying to deviate too much from it. You said uh, you also want this to be a food not just for babies, but possibly for adults. I would think that, you know, you probably couldn't call it anything related to breast milk. Otherwise, people would, you know, freak out unnecessarily. But um, what's the goal there with the uh, the food for adults? What would that look like and how would it help? Yeah, it on that end, it's really pushing out the function. So, um, so there are also a clinical study showing effective of Alverifer's product in adults gut microbiome enhancement. Um, <clears throat> so that's really promising. So microbiome in adults, it's really huge. Um, and there is always people who's willing to try things given uh, the benefits and, and the function that it promises. Um, so 
we're not planning on hiding that on on any any of our uh, labeling or supplying that to manufacturers. I, I think it would actually hurt us in the long term, and that this is one of the unique things about our products. So we really don't want to kind of hide that away. Um, so it will have to be a component of breast milk uh, with X, Y, and Z function. Um, lots of that X, Y, and Z we already know, uh, except we want to work on it a little bit more before we, we publicize it. But the adult application is not our focus right now, but of course we're not going to close doors on partners who reach out to us, but uh, right now we're focusing mainly on, on early life nutrition. Okay, got it. And I think um, um, you would be by the, the amount of emails that we get from people reaching out to, to be on our clinical trials, and these are all adults. I think they all well aware of its function and the rarity, the, how hard it is for, for them to find it. Right now, if you are an adult, you want to go get some human milk oligosaccharides, you can't really do it. So um, hmm. there, there's certainly some interest there. Yeah, I didn't realize it would be like that. Huh, very interesting. All right. So you're going to be scaling up this year. Um, it, uh, forgive me if I don't remember, but the the product is it available right now uh, commercially to large providers, or is it not even close to that scale yet? Um, on our end, um, we are not at large scale yet, but we're starting to um, take in some of the um, pre pre order, if you will, to to see who we might partner with uh, for the production capacity that we planning toward the end of this year. Um, a lot of this application, as I'm sure you can imagine, takes a long time to, to go through. Um, so we want to start quite early on that. Makes sense. Okay. Very good. And what's the best way for uh, for people to contact you and get in touch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, our email address is contact at trigologicswithanx.com. And uh, we also have a website that uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter. We send that out regularly. Um, a little bit more kind of a regular updates from, from us, what we're doing, how our team is growing. If you're interested in our product, um, please feel free to reach out. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Kulika, thank you for, uh, for your time. It's a pretty interesting thing you're working on. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. 
And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to BFTExpo.com. That's BlockchainFutureTechExpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.